Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner. I've discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Catherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office Podcast. I am super excited because I have Kat Sturts on today and she is like my doppelganger, but with about 17 really cool twists. So we'll start here. Kat's nickname suits her well. She can be very finicky, has used up several of her nine lives, including being medically revived three times and spending time in a coma, holy cow, and loves catnaps. I think we can stick with the catnap part of all that, goodness gracious. As a business life mentor and the purgatory relief coach for people who think marketing is hell, me, Kat now works primarily with home-based solopreneurs who are temporarily stumped, stuck, or stalled. Say that three times fast. <laughs> She's the owner and founder of 56.5 Services, Rocking Your Path, which is where she is now, and You Can Cuisine with her retired chef husband, and also the host of Fact... <laughs> Don't say it fast. Fast Action Fridays interview series, which he first started way back on April 1st, 2014. Now, this is the really fun part. Kat has an eclectic business background that includes farming, restaurant, hospitality management, advertising sales, journalism, publishing, as well as business consulting and marketing services for a wide variety of small businesses and nonprofit organizations going back to 1971. If there's a Renaissance woman, I'm pretty sure it's you, Kat. <laughs> Absolutely. And one little correction, I gave you a wrong date. Fast Action Fridays actually started, I believe, April 4th. April 1st just sticks in my mind because I knew I remember it as the beginning of April. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm horrified you would make such a uh, tremendous error. I know. <laughs> and the whole reason I started it was to prove to my clients and followers at the time who were complaining they didn't have tech skills, they didn't have this, they didn't have that. And so they were stuck, stumped, or stalled. Right. It's like, okay, let me show you how to do it. And we're not going to spend any money extra doing it. And that's how it started. So now that is on Facebook. It's over on my blog on the rockingyourpath.com uh, website and also a lot of the interviews, and especially since 2016 or 15, are also on YouTube on my yes. Rocking Your Path with Kat Sturt's YouTube channel. So I do a little on YouTube. I'm more of a podcaster and I do some Facebook Live it's when I get in the mood. <laughs> consistency is everything. I'm very consistent with the podcast. 
I'm very consistent posting on social media. I'm a little less consistent with Facebook Live because it's live. And, you know, you have to be in the moment and kind of be motivated. And I, I need, I'm the, I need a little fire lit under my patootie kind of person. <laughs> oh, I get that. Fast Action Friday started live and ran live for a long time. And uh, we switched to video. So I separate the video and the audio. So I have both versions nice. uh, available to me, though. The audio only version I don't have up everywhere. But back when Blab came out, loved Blab. It was so easy to market and do a podcast then. And then Blab screwed up because they didn't build in a way to make money. (laughs) And that's when I started pre-recording the episodes now, which really fits into my schedule a lot better. Right. And now, of course, there's Clubhouse. I don't do Clubhouse. I'm not an iPhone girl. Right, right, right. So it's interesting I'm doing Clubhouse and I'm seeing a lot of people say, it's such a time suck. It's so difficult. It's so this, it's so that. And I think, yeah, it was for me the first week. And then I said, oh, you've got to put boundaries on your time with this girlfriend. And so what I did was I decided I run a show one day a week, Tuesdays at like 1231 o'clock called The Shift Show, which is literally 30 minutes long. I don't do one of these hour and a half, two hour things on Clubhouse. I'm in, I'm out. I bring on great guests. We have a blast. We talk about little shifts you can make quickly in your business. We have a nice conversation, you know, shifts that help you be efficient and productive and whatnot. And then I'm out. And if I see something pop up and I think, oh, that's really interesting, I might hop on for a bit and then I'm out. (laughs) And I put those boundaries like I put on social media because... exactly. I'm a squirrelpreneur, right? I'm, I have ADHD. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be down the research rabbit hole. I literally, it's so hard for me to read a book on um, a Kindle or an iPad because I'll see something and I'll trigger something else. I'll think, huh, I wonder about that. I'd like to research more. And next thing you know, it took me six hours to read one chapter. <laughs> oh, I hear you on that. All of my books and stuff, it's like, okay, you've got enough information. Write the damn book you know, finish, finish it. You've got enough research. I love to research so I could spend a hundred percent of my time there. It's just not going to pay the bills if I I don't run a research company. (laughs) And not to mention here, we are people who are trying to tell people how to be productive. (laughs) We kind of got to walk our walk. Which led right. Part of, part of that love for research led to the tips that I'm going to share today. Yeah, well, I'm super excited. So let's dive into that because you have something called a triple A approach. And I love how you described this. You said it was especially useful for people like me. And I laughed because I thought it was people like me. I could have written this. So these are for people who are creative, brimming with ideas, and who value freedom and flexibility. So I want to hear all about the triple A approach. The AAA approach is a foundation of everything that I teach, all of the courses, all of my work with clients. And it's this, adopt, adapt, and adjust. So you don't have to figure everything out from scratch to be unique. Save yourself some time, learn from others who have been there, but understand that the only truly worthwhile path that you should follow is your unique path. So adopt it. Then adapt, which makes sense to you to adapt to your own uh, needs and situation. And then remember over time to keep adjusting it 
as your life changes or your business changes or technology changes. Mm-hmm. So it's not once and done. Absolutely. And I found that with um, the course that I'm running, which is something where the, I got the feedback. I had done it. I just adopted this idea that I was going to get out there and run this program. Then I adapted it. And then what I did was I adjusted it. So the next time I'm rolling it out, it's all based on the feedback I got from what we initially did. So, you know, folks, if you have something that you really want to get out there, do a beta. You know, or even better than don't call it a beta, though. Okay, call it a pilot or some other term that brings more value to it rather than because to me, beta has, especially if you're trying something new and you're a little, you're, you're getting past your own fear of, of introducing something. Beta keeps you in that, oh, I'm inexperienced at this. Huh. So we're going to call it a pilot program because you're not inexperienced at this. You've used whatever you're teaching others to do. So you're the pilot. You're going to lead them on this journey. I know so that's one of my big tips is don't call it a beta, call it a pilot program or an introductory program, whatever will help get you out of feeling like, oh my God, I'm inexperienced doing this. Right. Ooh, that is so good. I love that pilot. You're in control, sort mm-hmm. of, or at least in charge. <laughs> you are. You're leading the the ship. And if you're using that AAA approach with that, think of it this way. I live in Michigan, so we have a lot of water surrounding our state. You know, all four of the five Great Lakes surround our state, okay? But when ocean liners come in through, uh, you know, the St. Lawrence Seaway and all that, when they get to the Great Lakes, they have to change who's piloting the ship. A Great Lakes uh, certified pilot. has to lead that ocean liner through the Great Lakes because the waters of the Great Lakes act differently than the waters in an ocean environment. That's fascinating. So even though you may be uh, learned from someone else, this is your program. You are now the pilot and you still have to take this vessel that you're navigating and carrying people aboard along the journey. I love it. We're going to call you Captain Cat. (laughs) <laughs> me a captain of a plane you me a captain of a boat it works perfectly yeah. I don't know I think there's something in that them there hills that we can <laughs> mine but we're love- close enough we got like a litter going my my full name is Kathleen so <laughs> right but you you're Kathleen and I'm Catherine so mm-hmm. this is this is this is great and it's funny because I've I've had like who knows how many different nicknames over the year when I went from when I was growing up, which was Kathy to Catherine, and my Kathy parents, Sue. <laughs> sorry, my parents said, why are you changing your name? <laughs> I said, why am I changing my name to what you put on my birth certificate? Uh, <laughs> well, at least you're lucky. I almost got named Bambi Lynn. Now, do I seem like a Bambi Lynn to you? No, no, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't see that coming. No, I was named after my aunt, who was Nancy Catherine. So I got the middle name, which is very common in our family to take middle names or family names and bring them along down through the generations, which is amazing. But I don't know how productive it is. <laughs> so let's <laughs> 
but fun, you know. Come to our show. You'll never know what you'll get on Uncluttered Office. Sometimes it'll be a random conversation about names. Yeah, if anybody looked up any of the books I've written, they'd have to look up Kathy Henderson. Oh, no kidding. How interesting is that? Yeah. Oh, that was back back in your one Between of your... Other- 1986 when the first one came out and 2001 or 2003 when the, the last one I published, I was Kathy Henderson, uh, kind of like in the old life with the first husband that I was married to for 25 years. Right. Oh, that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. a whole life change, name change. Yep. Yep. I really love that. Yep. And I became cat. I realized that when I left that increasingly dangerous situation I was in, those who supported me called me cat. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really, I've got like the goosebumps chill (laughs) right now. I love that. That's really amazing. I think I changed my name right around the time that I was getting, that I met my husband. I think I introduced myself as Catherine and I was trying to make the switch and then I kind of fell out of it. (laughs) And then, and then I was like, no, I really want this. And this is that. And, you know, I think it's funny. We, anything we really want, we really have to make happen, which is finally a tie into business is that it's just, if we don't really hold the line on something and say, this is what I really want people won't be able to stand behind our vision. And, and, you know, here's a vision that's of just what I want to be called in life. Right. And you have to go with what feels right and what serves your purpose. My full name when I was born was Kathleen Susan Davidson. I married a Henderson. Hendersons and Davidson in Scotland are like Hatfield and McCoys in the United States. Wow. (laughs) Read into that what you will. I married... Nine years after I divorced, I married a man named Sturtz. And for practicality purposes, at the time, I didn't really want to drop Henderson. I'd had it for 25 years. Right. So legally, it's Kathleen Susan Henderson hyphen Sturtz. Never should have done the hyphen. Right. But for business, that's a lot to write. Right. So Kat Sturtz serves me, serves my purpose, just like I'm a certified guerrilla marketing coach Right. A lot of people after 30 years since guerrilla marketing was first coined don't understand the premise and the philosophy behind guerrilla marketing. It's not quite my personality style, mm. hence the purgatory relief coach for people who think marketing is hell, which is an example of guerrilla marketing in action because right. people can self-identify so well with that term. And I love that. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. And and what are some of your philosophies behind guerrilla marketing? Because I remember guerrilla marketing. And then, of course, we've had duct tape marketing, et cetera. It's all, I think, kind of trying to say the same thing, which is you got to cobble it together and work your tail off when you start. Um, yes and no. A lot of the early guerrilla marketing was geared more to retail. And it has to do a lot with advertising and things you can do beyond advertising because way too many people believe marketing is advertising where advertising is just a tiny little facet of marketing as a whole. So the premise of guerrilla marketing is getting the biggest bang for your investment of time, resources, and money. Right. Do you know now it's all coming back to me? (laughs) It's been (laughs) many years since I read guerrilla marketing. I can't even remember how many years. 
Yeah. So I help my clients. I really like working with clients who I feel are left on the side of the road when they're trying, they're intrigued by a lot of the well-known names, uh, you know, pushing how easy it is to get six and seven figures. I'm going to be 69 this year. I've got a husband who's disabled. I don't want a huge business that has a huge team under me. I'm way past wanting to build something like that. And it's, I find that what those experts are teaching is not wrong, but it's not the right way for many people who are just starting out. And so they either jump on the bandwagon and they try to implement misunderstanding what it takes to implement a lot of, a lot of that. They forget that third part of the triple A approach. They forget to adjust and, and then the third part adapt to their particular needs. Right. So I love helping those people that are along the side of the road. So we focus a lot on what can you do for marketing that's not going to cost you anything or is going to cost you a little bit, but give you a big bang for the bucks you're expending in. And not only dollar value, but your time involved. Right. And it's interesting you say that because probably seven or eight years ago, I'm really not sure exactly what. I was commercial office designer. And I bring some of that still to what I do now. I put, I sent out a postcard and it was um, in a really nice envelope sent to maybe a hundred people, people who I knew very much referral partner type folks. And interestingly enough, from that mailing that probably cost me hundred, 150, maybe $200. I got a very sizable client project. And it was because she thought, oh, this is so unique. It's so interesting. And, you know, on each, and I was to really criticized for this, on each of them by people who sit in marketing who said, oh, this is not a good thing to do. It, it said, dear, whatever. And then a little letter explaining what I was doing. And then I filled in the person's name by hand, handwritten. And then I hand signed each one. And I was told, oh, you should have had it all pre, you know, the whole list merged and this and that. It wasn't professional enough looking. It was fine. It had a photo or two on it. And I landed a client. And I landed other work from that later as time went by. One of the best marketing tools I've ever used, and it comes from Bob Berg, not me. It's not unique or original to me, is to send these cards out. So after you have a nice conversation with someone, you send a quick card out saying, thank you so much. It's just got your you know, photo so people remember what you look like. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I need that sort of visual cue. Yes. Oh, who is that again? Right. And then a little bit about, you know, your logo, your tagline, your address, you know, your phone number and send those. And I had people who would say that's sitting on my desk still. I really loved getting a piece of real mail. Mm -hmm. Especially nowadays when good mail, mail that you really want to come into your, into your home or your business and value is, is limited. <laughs> oh, well. But it's interesting. I don't know about you, but one of the things I'm experiencing in the pandemic is a lot less junk mail. I wonder where it's piling up. I've opted out of a lot of that. So it doesn't really affect me one way or the other. I'm not seeing it in mine as more or less, but Again, I took care of that early on and most junk mail. We don't, I live in a little tiny town in Michigan. I was born and raised in Detroit, graduated high school in Detroit, but I live about a hundred miles north of Detroit at the northern tip of the thumb. 
<laughs> not the mitten, but the thumb. And we have to go to the post office to collect our mail. We don't we don't get home delivery because wow. it's rural free delivery. I'm not rural. I'm in a village. So there are a lot of villages uh, like ours throughout the United States that don't get our mail delivered to our homes. So that was one of the reasons because we only pick it up, especially in these times and and add winter, you know, in three degree weather and snowstorms. Uh, we only pick our mail up a few times uh, a week. Wow. Uh, so I took care of getting rid of a lot of that junk mail anytime I can. Oh, likewise. And even this morning, I was on my email and saw that I was getting a bunch of e-newsletters. And I remember thinking over the last two weeks, I'm like, do I really read that anymore? Is that really something I want? And this morning, I'm like, why are you even discussing this with yourself? Unsubscribe. <laughs> and I unsubscribed from about five different e-newsletters this morning. So it's like, just, just do it. Pull, yeah. you know, again, take that first little step in anything we want to do to get something done. Yeah. So I want to go there because you talk about you can't get to where you want to go by standing still. And that's mm -hmm. accurate. So let's talk about how people can first take some little steps towards getting something done. You have to recognize you're at that, you're at that ledge. That's, mm -hmm. that's who I work with as private clients. They're more afraid of staying stuck, stumped or stalled, staying right where they are with the status quo than they are stepping out into the unknown. Mm. That's that point. And there are people that aren't, haven't reached that point yet. They say they are, but right. unless you're willing to take that step, you're not ready. Right. You're not ready to leap. Yeah. Sort of that whole, the magic happens outside of your comfort zone. Exactly. And all of my courses, I'm re, I just re, I'm re, blah, 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 blah. I'm redoing several of my courses right now, including Escape from Inbox Insanity. I don't believe in zero inbox, believe it or not. And neither do I. <laughs> I and, and here's the reason why. I have taken some zero inbox courses or talked to people who promote that. They are not zero inbox. They are for hiding everything. So you don't see it. That's not zero inbox to me. No. <laughs> That's not dealing with the underlying problem. That's like taking all your junk in your home that you don't want to look at and stuffing it into a closet and saying, I'll deal with it later. Right. Right. So th that's a clutter problem. And I think digital clutter affects us emotionally and mentally as much as physical clutter does. You know this. I mean, Look at the podcast we're on. So I know you know this. Absolutely. And one of the things I've done is so I actually use Maelstrom to streamline my inbox. And I will say that I, <laughs> I did notice that there were quite a few emails from my folks and I didn't want to take the time to go through them and clean them out. So anything that was older than 2020, I just archived, mm -hmm. which is not the ideal way to clean up a mess. But in the short run, it kind of helped. And then what I'm did, doing. Yeah, you had a reason for doing it that right. way. And you were selective about doing it that way. You right. just didn't archive everything from, from this moment. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. I deleted tons of stuff and really cleaned out. And am I in inbox zero? No, I'm not. I still am. Yeah, my, my method helps you filter certain things so you can get through your inbox at any time within, you know, within a minute and deal with all of that stuff and then get onto your day. So. And I will yeah. say the filters in Gmail are fantastic. I really oh, do. Yep. 
Absolutely. I've learned Absolutely. so much about how to manage Gmail inbox. You know, I have a filter for my daughter's high school, just so all that stuff goes in there. So when it came time to clean that out and see what was what, it was very easy to zip through it. Whereas if I had exactly. had it just still out in the general, you know, email purgatory, it would have been a nightmare to clean up. So it really does help. And Maelstrom is a, is a wonderful tool. I know it does cost like $60 a year, but it's some of the best money I spend. And if, and that's a good investment for you. You've adopted something, adapted it to fit your needs. Right. And the cost you spent, the investment you made for that, you value. For someone else who says, I don't want to spend $50 to do that, I have a way to do it for free. So well, there you go. And you can do it for free. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Give me the $50 for the course and you, you know, have it forever. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Nothing wrong. And nothing wrong with taking a great course on how to do some of these things. I will just say it courses, nothing against you personally. So don't take it this way. Courses can also become a form of clutter. Oh, absolutely. BSOs in (laughs) bright, shiny objects, especially if you take a course for using something that you're not using now. Oh, I need Instagram in the future. So you you know, I don't have time to deal with Instagram or Pinterest now, but I'll get this course. Well, by the time you get around to it, things may have changed. And yeah. the person who created the course may have done a great course, but maybe they didn't update it for the new technology or the or the changes. So that's just a procrastination filter you gave yourself. You made right. yourself look busy and relevant in your business when you were just avoiding working on something else. Yeah, procrastination is my big topic this month. I've been talking quite a bit about it. What what There's is so much behind procrastination? It's oh. like a time management issue. We're gonna have fun with this because I know you must know your stuff on it. Uh, I am the queen of no, procrastination. No. I but I I also teach teach is the bad word. I have the philosophy that we have obstacles in our lives and we have hidden barriers in our lives. They are not one and the same thing. An obstacle is something you know exists. I know I'm a procrastinator. My house is never cleaner than when I'm procrastinating a big project, a big, scary project. My husband recognizes this. He says, what are you procrastinating when he sees me deep cleaning some some shelf or bookcase or deep in the closet somewhere? I know that that's an obstacle. And I can know all of the great advice to overcome that. But it's not enough to know what the advice is if you're not putting it into practice. So then you have to look at the hidden barriers. Why am I avoiding this? And is it a legitimate avoidance? A lot of times I find out for myself that those deep house cleaning moments are allowing my mind to gnaw on the problem I'm trying to solve in the business or for a client. So it's not wasted time. It's productive procrastination. It's there for a purpose. So I have to understand myself, when am I procrastinating because I'm avoiding something? Or when am I procrastinating because I'm allowing my mind and my spirit and my energy and more information that's needed to really do justice to the problem solving that I need to do? Right. And I love helping people. That's where the uh, helping people find the true cause behind what's got them stumped, stuck or stalled 
right. is. It's like, okay, don't tell me you don't know what the obstacle is because you do, you know, right. let's find out how it's affecting you. Let's find the hidden barrier, what's happening there. Right. There's this whole entanglement of emotional stuff behind procrastination. It can be fear of success, fear of failure. It can be what you said where, and I find this happens to me a lot, where we have to do something else to let our minds free up. When we're constantly doing and we're not being, creativity doesn't flow. So if we can just be, and I know being, you're not really being when you're cleaning a shelf, but in a way you are, because the fact is we all kind of know how to clean a shelf. We don't really need to use our minds deeply to clean a shelf, right? Mm-hmm. But that, gets, that frees up that space that your mind, like you said, is working in the background, gnawing through a problem so that when you do sit down and do it, you are capable of getting it going. It, right. It not only frees up the space in our mind, but it unlocks the hold we have on finding the solution. We, right. My husband will tell you that he... <laughs> that he wants things in technology to work the way he wants them to work. So when he has trouble with something and he asks for my help, he wants it to know why it won't work the way he wants it to work. Mm-hmm. And when I say, I've got six ways to solve this problem. What is the goal you want? What What's the solution you want? And when he tells me that, it's like, okay, we can get here, here. But why won't this work, he says. It's like, I don't go there. I don't care why that doesn't work. I'm only looking at the solution. And allowing our minds that freedom to let go of how we think the solution should be allows the space for another solution, often a better solution, to appear to us, to recognize the opportunity or to see what we don't know. (laughs) Right. I agree with that. That's really, it's really great. One of the things I do is I take power walks right now, not so much because there's snow and ice, but normally (laughs) when I don't have to wear like crampons to walk up the street, I think they're called crampons, the ice Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. So crampons, I think. Clamp. Yeah. Okay. I was close. I use that time. I, I, what I call it is getting out of my head and into my body Mm -hmm. because my head just goes a million miles per minute and my mouth can hardly keep up, which is a whole other story for another day. And when I'm out walking, stuff will just come up. It's just amazing. Suddenly I'll have an idea for a podcast and I'm literally taking the phone and talking into the phone saying what that's going to be because it just starts to flow. And then I put the phone away again, right? Because the idea is done or whatever. And I want to make space for more ideas. Or maybe I just want to make space for myself. Hello. <laughs> you know, working mom, you know, things going on all the time. That me time is crucial. And I think we we ladies and some of us men too, I don't like to exclude our, our lovely men, don't take enough time for ourselves. We don't allow ourselves to recharge and relax and let our brains work on something in a more sort of intuitive background way than in a, I'm going to make this happen right now. I'm going to fix this technology. The other piece I want to take away from what you've just said, Kat, was that you were focusing on the solution, not the problem. And I think that's crucial. There's not always the one way to get 
to whatever we're going to do. And I look at my team and I think, oh, I never thought of doing it that way. That's fascinating that she got it done. And, you know, just giving people space to do it a different way and giving ourselves space to do it a different way. Yes. Often when you focus on the solution rather than the problem, you that's also where you can find the hidden barrier because you believe the problem to be X when really it was something else that was holding up the production. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Love it. So Kat, in addition to all the amazing things you've talked to us today about productivity, do you have any one superpower around productivity that you'd love to share? Yes, I do. And it's all about how to stop the mess and my three steps to a cleaner desk. I do not, not mind clutter. In fact, something that's too clean and pristine scares me, makes me, gives me anxiety. <laughs> so I don't mind. I, I like, I like an environment that feels used and comfortable and productive and welcoming. Right. And super clean, pristine, where I'm afraid to put something down because I might disturb this wonderful tableau this this uh, photography perfect scene that disturbs me but i do like as you mentioned early flexibility within structure Ooh. and i really really like freedom and flexibility within structure so i have over time recognized three steps that i do that help me contain clutter to get back on the bandwagon when life throws whatever at you and you you literally let things pile up because you're you're so busy handling other things and the clutter is not a priority to take care of. Okay, so we're talking specifically clutter in our paper environment, which is mostly whether your home office, whether it's your private papers or your business papers and They are three simple steps, and I guarantee they will make your life easier forever. It'll make your filing easier. And to me, you can file away all you want and make things nice and pretty and pristine, but if you can't find it, it's not a good filing system. So this is an introduction that I give before my easy organizing and flexible filing system course that I teach and method that I have been using by tweaking it over time since 1971. Nice. Okay. All right. Step number one is put a full date on every note that you make. Right. Every note. I do it even if it's a digital note for Trello or Evernote, or even if I've got a notepad note up here, there is a date there. Nice. Okay. And not just the month and day, because if this note slips behind, the desk or under or gets under a pile of papers and you find it months or a year from now, you can't know the relevance of that note. The date, a full date will help you. If I pick up something from 2013 or 1998, I can help value the relevance. Do I still need this anymore? At this point, what what are my choices for dealing with this now? If there's no year on there, you go around like my husband. Oh, I might, I can't throw that out because I might need it. And my answer is, you don't even know what that number, that phone number is for anymore, little. 
you have no relevance to that. So number two adds to that relevance. And I insist for myself and for my clients that you put a topic or a relevant category Mm. on every note. Here's my note for our podcast interview today. (laughs) And it started out originally as a paper I intended just to be a catch-all piece of paper that I was going to throw away at the end of the day. So it originally had a category of what I use, which is scratch. This is a scratch note. You can use temp note. You can use whatever you want. Now it says Catherine Avery, podcast interview, the date, today's date, and then some bullet points that we had decided we were going to cover today. Yes. I can throw this out later. I could file this later if I said, like, oh, okay. There are, I wrote down some things that I don't have elsewhere. Right. If it gets lost, I have a, I, I know what to do with this if it pops up again later. Okay. So one, full date on every note. Two, topic or a relevant category on every note, even if you just write scratch or junk or whatever. So you know it's not a vital information on this one. Three is every note needs a home. Mm-hmm. Now, you can you, know, you can't see behind me, but right here <laughs> is a little box that says SOS quick notes or quick quick notes, quick wins. I am constantly coming up with little snippets for quick win topics. And they most often go on a post-it note or a scratch of paper and I tear it off and it goes in that. So everything there is categories and that's as easy. If you have a lot of scratch notes and you're not quite ready to let go of them, have a little box or a file folder or a pocket folder or a tray that holds them. But at least they're already categorized and you don't have to spend time recategorizing those. I use a notebook. Yeah. I'm terrified I'm going to lose a little slip of paper and you can see people on the podcast can't. So I will describe it. Everything is a color coded tab so I can quickly find it and know what relevance it has. And sometimes I write a date now because of what you've said. I am now going to date all of these little tags because that is brilliant. Little Most date and a little category. Yeah. So you remember the category because that's your legend. That's like a map for you. Yes. I love it. And I used to use a spiral brown notebook like that religiously for these notes. I now use Trello for it, uh, for most of them. And also, if you were a client and I was making these notes, I would either take a picture of it and save it in my digital file for that client, or I'd drop it into the paper file. Right. And it's so easy. I mean, it's effortless to do those three steps. And I have found that over time, the value I get from taking that moment to do those three things is invaluable. I can go a year and things pile up. And then if, but if they're categorized, I can quickly categorize them and then find out, oh, I've got enough information here for another course. I've been making notes. I didn't realize it. But these all have the same time management category at the top. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, this is brilliant. And I think what's important about this is that it's it's one minute. Yeah, it's not even that. Yeah, I would say, I would say at most. <laughs> yeah. One minute at most. So this has been amazing. I am so grateful that you came on my show. 
I would love to be able to tell people how to find you or have you tell them how to find you. <laughs> you can find me anywhere on social media as Kat Sturtz. I am most active on Facebook. You can find me at rockinyourpath.com. And I would invite anyone, if you want to have a 15-minute free quick chat with me to discuss whatever, getting into one of the courses, just get acquainted, talk about what you're doing. We'll talk about what I'm doing. I offer a 30-minute complimentary breakthrough session to see exactly what might be that hidden barrier for that obstacle that you know is there. And I even have a jumpstart special. So it's all on that Acuity uh, scheduling page that I know you'll include in the post. So super. Thank you so much, Kat. So grateful you came on today. I'm glad to be invited and we will definitely be talking again. Sounds great. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.